You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 97 of the Going Offsides podcast. Can you believe it's been 97 episodes already? I cannot. I cannot. But you know what? Stranger things have happened. Um, you know what? Consistency, consistency, consistency. You know what? <laughs> Why do people love Cal Ripken? Because he never missed a day's worth of work. And guess what? Neither do we. Some people well, have come and gone. Some people have <clears throat> fallen by the wayside. Every week you're getting good content. So that's every, kudos every to, Friday, too. What I will say is that this is all due to Nick's um, um, handiwork, because if it was me, um, this thing would have blown up a long time ago. But, you know, kudos to Nick. Um, I've just kind of been along here for the ride. But um, well, I appreciate has, it. Yeah. You know what? I just I keep it real and I tell the truth. I speak the truth. When I can. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And, and yeah, it has been uh, a pretty fun ride so far. And, you know, we're coming at you. We, we've had it every single Friday for the past 13, 14 months. And now we're here. It's it's September 2021, and we're on a Tuesday. And uh, I guess we'll start with that. So we are switching the format of the show up in a lot of ways starting this week and in the coming weeks. We can't talk a lot about it. It's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff happening, some exciting stuff that will come out in the next couple of weeks. All you need to know is that we're moving to Tuesday. We're going to continue to have some some guest podcasters, some guest hosts, and continue to grow the channel and it's it's grown quite a bit over the years or over the year i should say but yeah so for now on the two of us will be on tuesdays and uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up after that so this past week we we just did an episode on friday so there's only one thing that happened since then and that's the pll semifinals. so why don't we talk about that real quick game one we had the chaos versus the Atlas. That's the number six seed chaos beating the number two seed Atlas 15 to nine. What'd you see? Um, I saw the chaos just doing chaos things, man. They, um, man, it's, it's crazy. It's like they do the rope a dope during the season. And then during the, during the playoffs, um, they come alive. Well, I, I, you know, kudos to the chaos. Um, I think part of this is that these guys are playing their best lacrosse when it matters most across the board. Um, you know, from an individual standpoint, I think all of those guys are really peaking at the right time. Um, and I think it really starts with Blaze Reardon in the goal. Um, he's doing a fantastic job. And I know we're going to kind of circle back around to this, but with him being up for MVP, um, I think he's making an even stronger case for it now. Um, but you're getting great play in the midfield. You know, Troy Ray with the pole is doing really great um ian mckay as well um i believe he had a goal um he had a big goal on um on sunday um they're just getting a lot of production from from a lot of different places and they're really using um transition for their benefit um they're attacking teams when they're not settled and you saw that a lot on sunday um you know and really kind of what you saw is listen at the at the end of the day it's playoffs it's win or go home um but i thought you saw a much more motivated um, chaos team um, with something to prove in that game. I'm not saying the Atlas weren't motivated. They were, they were playing their hearts out. They were playing great. Um, But you know, the chaos just had it, had that extra little something in there. Um, Like they were like, you know, like they were willing to, they wanted to prove people wrong. Yeah. I mean, it starts with their coach, right? He brings the energy. 
He brings the juice. Yep. <laughs> as I, like I was I was worried. I was worried that um, <clears throat> you know, I was happy to see the track pants, but I was worried because he wasn't wearing the long sleeve under the polo. But then I saw the second button was unboned. I'm hoping I'm see, hoping that the weather turns chest. a little bit so we can yeah. get the full. That's my favorite AT look is the track pants, the red polo with like the white long sleeve underneath. That's it's a goaded look, but, any, but but let's talk about what happened on like, the field. So, you know, the the chaos defense played, I think, their best game to date. You could see right from the start, they were coming out, they were doubling at the right times, they were finishing checks, they were, you know, they, they were kind of making up for the offense, which in stretches was a little bit pedestrian mm-hmm. and, and lacked this fluidity because the offense was very much in spurts. And I think the juice really came from obviously every single game except for maybe one blaze had 68%, which is mm-hmm. insane. And then you have both LSMs dropping two bombs, which mm-hmm. really, if that doesn't get the team going, I don't know what does throw in the fact that we've argued all year long that if max Adler can just go like 40% or better, the chaos are in every game. And what does he do? 45% really negating that, that advantage that everyone thought TD was, or uh, Trevor was going to have. So I, I mean, really, I really you... love, I mean, yeah, you can't, I mean, it was just so, it was just so um, everything that we've kind of talked about, Hey, this is, you know, this is what might be a recipe for success for them. It kind of fell into the place that way, which is great. I really love the way um, their defense has come together. I thought mm-hmm. CJ Costabile is so yeah. apparent now earlier in the season. I mean, he, he had just gotten signed like a third of the way in, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember. And he was around and like he was making plays, but like I've never like noticed him more impactful than I did in, in the game on Sunday. Or and yeah, I love Sunday. the way I love the way they were playing the ball at X. And I love specifically two-man games and things like that. Um, it really kind of threw uh the Atlas off because you know, a lot of times, you know, and there's two schools of thought. Um, do you go with the picker? Do you not go with the picker? Do you just switch? Do you do some things like that? Yeah, do you double way, auto? Yeah. And the way they were playing it, kudos to them because it was causing a lot of problems, you know. Um, and and the Atlas were really pick oriented to try and set something at GLE or just a little bit below and the chaos just weren't buying it. They weren't sending that there. So it was really just, it was completely throwing them off, um, which was, which played to their advantage. Yeah. And it's something we've talked about all year long too, is that the Atlas team just looked a bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't rely on one guy on offense to really do everything to, to be that guy for them. And, you know, kudos to the cast. Like we've said before, they made the game very uncomfortable for the mm-hmm. Atlas. And the Atlas is just, I don't know, it just reminds me of like that private school team that's like once things start to go the other way, they don't, they just don't respond all that well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'll agree with you on that. It just seemed... um you know, it just seemed like, you know, when, when stuff got high energy and it got a little hectic, they couldn't match it. They couldn't match it. That's where, that's where Andy towers thrives. That's where Andy towers thrives. Like controlled chaos. I think beginning of the season, we just have legit, just flat out chaos. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then as the season goes on, he plugs and plays and figures out a way to like have that controlled chaos. And the craziest thing is they still don't have who I think is their best attackman. Curtis Dixon. And they still, <clears throat> I'm sorry, they don't have Curtis Dixon and they're still able to do this. And then the, the move, I was wondering who they, they couldn't bench Kyle Jackson after 
what he did in the in the previous game. So I think it was a it's tough to see Tanner Cook out, but like I think that was 100% the right move in this situation and I'm very interested to see how how they play it that out moving forward because Jackson had, you know, an okay game but definitely wasn't as impactful as the quarterfinals. So we'll see if he decides how to about, go with How about Dean Smith? Yeah, I mean, dude, Dean Smith, one of the most underrated players in the world because he's he's very unorthodox and it's not used to what american field fans are used to seeing um and he does it so well that's a team that really thrives on playing an unorthodox style you could say that about yeah you could say that about the whole team because yeah exactly right you look at the the attack lineup that they're trotting out there now and it's the Mm -hmm. same thing you got guys that don't have a ton of field experience all over the field yeah so you know that's that's what happened. <laughs> that that's all those things put together. I mean, when you're 68 percent save percentage, and then you got a couple two bombs in transition. I mean, and you it's, got it's Andy difficult. Towers track pants. It's a recipe for disaster. Well, and for every time something positive happens, AT's doubling down on the energy. I'm yeah. sure Austin Cow doesn't have a voice right now on on the sidelines. So, uh, moving forward, we have the Whip Snakes and the Water Dogs, and this is. I can't remember what you picked last week, but I know you got at least one game wrong last weekend, right? It was this one because, okay. um, and, and I was, I, I just, I, I did it to really kind of go opposite to what you were saying, but we were saying the same thing. Remember we talked about, you know, how that layoff, uh, we both felt that that could have been the kiss of death for mm-hmm. the water dogs. And I even wrote about it in my, um, in my article that like, you know, mm-hmm. since August 1st, the water dogs only played three games. I wrote like, about they, it in my article, you know, too. it was by week or hey, no by week. Hey, hey, look at us. Look at us. We're a couple, look at us. We're a couple writers. How about that? Freelance journalists for hire, <laughs> hire guns. But, um, it's true. You know, if you don't play and you're, you're just practicing the day before a game, how can you really kind of get that chemistry going? I really think that extra throwing sours back in. Yeah. And he was lights out. He was phenomenal, but he was the reason they were in it, but you throw a player like that in there. um, It screws up the dynamic everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. If he was, if he was in one week early or two weeks earlier and they played in the, in the quarterfinals, I think that would have been totally different because he would He's, they could have refigured out their offensive identity. And this listen, this is gonna be a this is gonna be probably a bad take. Um, and people are gonna be pissed off about it. But you know, I think um Michael Sowers is one of, if not the best individual player in the world. Um, I think there's a lot of you know, you could you could you could put people in or out, but he was so great at Princeton because he was the guy at Princeton. There was mm-hmm. nobody else. You knew that he was getting the ball. He goes to Duke. You know, you've got five other guys, six other guys, seven other guys that um, are elite. And he tends to, he struggled a little bit. Um, I think maybe some of that stuff that he had work for him at Princeton has really um, it's going to take him a little bit longer to adjust to kind of playing a team style across somewhat similar to maybe what happened with Connor Fields. You go from being the alpha to now you're kind of just being a guy, another guy out there that has to play with a supporting cast. I think that had a little yeah, bit to you do just with can't it. do it alone in the PLL. Just, yeah, can't do it. No big deal. Everybody, you know. You know. Everybody figures it out at their own pace. Wait, do I think he's going to get cut from Team USA? Absolutely not. But, you know, hey. He's got well, to figure listen, it out. Let's talk about the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm when, about Nar- it. when Nardella goes 59% and Brian Phipps, the vet, the, the Wiley vet, goes 57%. 
there's not many games that you're losing when you face off at 59 and your save percentage is 57. You're just not losing a lot of games. And doesn't you, matter. At the, at the pro level, you might not lose a game because, yeah. I mean, the it would save take percentage, a ton of turnovers for I you to lose like that game. You're an all-star if you're saving the ball at 57, 58% in the pro league. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the truth because you just you haven't really seen that. Um, I mean, it, the Whip Snakes, I, I mean, they're battle-tested. Um, I thought I think that's the point I made last week too is like the reason yeah. why I felt so strongly about the whips is they've been through this before the water dogs like this is their first chance to like play for something extremely meaningful and they had a lot of things working against them mm-hmm. 100% I still might give the edge for coach of the year to you know uh, hate to like skew away from Rubior but my guy and the water dogs. I mean, Copeland was Listen, Cope, Cope's fantastic. Cope's the coach of the year. Ben and Rubio if there's are, a locker room I want to be in, and we've talked to guys from the Atlas and we've talked to guys from the water dogs. If there's a locker room I want to be in, I got to give the edge. Just, I, I just like being around Copeland more period. I, I think Cope more motivational. Did, I, I think Cope did a better job with the hand that he was dealt. He had some elite players, but not having, you know, the number one draft pick on the field for 98% of the season, um, you know, and having, well, I mean, and Ruby or didn't have Jeff Teat for a while. So like they both did an incredible job. They both did incredible. But once he did get Jeff Teat, they started winning a lot more. Yeah. Had he not had Jeff Teat the whole year. True. True. Copeland actually improved without Sowers would appear. So Listen, it's a tight race. I, I I don't know who you give it to since both coaches uh, you lost. Give, you give it to Andy Towers. Exactly. If he wins, I, I agree. You just just screw everything and vote for AT. Please give uh, it to AT. But it was crazy to me. Again, this is why I love the Whip Snakes because Matt Rambo is always like the attention guy. He's like the Lyle Thompson. He's the guy you have to pay attention to even if he scores zero points. I think he had one goal, but then Zeddy steps up, Brad Smith steps up. They combined for nine points. There were times where Zed literally looked like he was on a different planet with some of the shot selections and his ability to set up his own shot. I mean, that's a guy where you just put him on an island and, you know, he'll find a way. Even they send a couple doubles to him and he he swam through a double and then it just shot this ridiculous shot. I mean, unfortunately too many defensive breakdowns for the water dogs. I don't blame them all on Dylan Ward. I mean, he was 39%, but way too many shots uncontested inside the arc. And even the contested ones, it's just like, how do you send a double and let Zeg get his hands free from like inside 12? Yeah. I mean, it's, they've, it's really hard to describe, man. Those guys, they're, they're just gamers. Like, you know, Zed has, Zed has improved so much since his time at Virginia. And he's really, you know, those two guys play so well together. Um, it's just, they're really fun to watch come playoff time. They really are because they just, for whatever reason, they put it together. Um, you know, and Matt Rambo's a winner. Like he really is. Um, it's just, and also too, in his hometown, you know, he wasn't going to let that happen, but that was, that was a pretty, pretty epic showdown between those two guys. Cause they, I mean, they had the graphic, it was Sowers and Rambo, both Philly, both Philly guys, and they're going at it. Um, it's just, uh, it was a great game. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know much else to say because you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, I, looking forward to uh, the, the championship game, because I think that's going to be another, that's going to be another good game. It's going to be a great game. 
yeah, I'm very interested to see the Nardella Adler matchup. That's that's one. And then two, I mean, Blaze, do they start Phipps again? Like I, think you I would. To. You have to. I mean, and I love that Stags came out and said, listen, Burnlore is our goalie for the future. He is our guy, but he's not the guy right now. Because A, he's had a rough up and down season, very inconsistent. Still a stud. I mean, he was an all-star fan vote, but still, still a world-class goalie, but just not playing well as of late. Yeah, and then I mean, Phipps listen, comes happens. in, he finishes the game in the quarterfinals. He wins you the semifinals. You got to go with the hot hand. And you know what? If he has a bad half, a bad quarter, you got one of the best goalies in the world sitting there ready to go. Exactly right. He just doesn't seem to be, my personal opinion is, it just doesn't look like he's tracking the ball that well. It just didn't look like Brynler has seen the ball that well this year. Yeah, well, you know, it's, um, it happens. It happens. We've seen this happen in all sports. I mean, so Dylan Ward in the beginning of the yeah. season, you know? Same thing. One find, of the best boys in the world. You got to get your mojo back. Yeah, slow start. Either way, so you know your favorite thing in the world. We have another bye week slash just an empty week. And no, I don't. I don't want to speculate as to why, but you know, next Sunday would be a, a it'd be a pretty tough day to have it, just given twenty year anniversaries and everything like that. So, you know, September nineteenth, twelve p.m. on NBC and Peacock, you'll have the Chaos versus the Whip Snakes Part Two. Because this is a repeat of what we saw in the bubble. So I I, I'm like pretty excited. I, I'm excited too. I feel like this PLL season is like the playoffs from the movie Basketball. If, you, if you've ever seen the movie Basketball, <laughs> go back and watch it. <laughs> how they break down the playoffs or the season in general. And that's what this reminds me of. But um, it's been a great season so far. I, I just hate the fact that I'm going to have to wait two weeks to, to see this game. But Yeah, the anticipation, know. right? Especially yeah. now we're bleeding into college football and pro football. It, it gets tough, but listen. Yeah, and, and they'll, football starting. Dude, they'll, be, they'll have a great, great crowd, great audience on TV. I'm not worried about any of that. I love the noon. You know, I'm yeah. sure that we're going to be playing before football. So, like, this is going to be great. I'm excited. Two weeks from now. We'll probably talk about it next week on Tuesday. We'll give a little preview. But uh, as for right now, we'll see you next Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.